everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, we have finally made it to the week that kind of we've all been looking for since March when the NCAA tournament was canceled. You know, college basketball is about to return, and uh, Kentucky's just two days away from tipping off versus Moorhead State. Yeah, hard to believe that it's uh, finally here. Obviously, it's starting what, three weeks later than normal, something like that. So it'll be a different feeling for sure in a somewhat empty Rupp Arena. But the way things are going right now, I think everybody's just happy that the game's still scheduled to be played. And uh, looking forward to seeing how some of these takes that we've had in the preseason start to play out. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm anxious to see exactly what this thing's going to look like. You know, this is typically feast week. It's usually the week where college basketball really gets going. Uh, it's going to be different this year. Uh, you know, I expect some games to be canceled. I think we'll just have to look at this, let's say, next Sunday or Monday. We look back and be like, okay, how many games were actually played over this week? Because you know there's going to be some postponements. You already see teams, I know Florida – is uh, down for a week. So you're going to see some things happening, some teams not playing that were scheduled to play. That, that's something that I think every team in college basketball is going to have to navigate at some point this year, Derek, is just not being on the floor. Yeah, they will. And going back to your point about Feast Week, I mean, you're, this is typically for college sports and even, I mean, sports in general. It's usually one of the best weeks of the year because you have college basketball starting like right now. You would probably have a preseason tournament starting the day that would be on at, like, what, like 2 o'clock? So you'd have something to watch during the day. Um, and then, obviously, you'd have NFL on Thanksgiving Day and even some college basketball up until that point and then some college football rivalry games this week. And uh, I'm going to have that this year. It's unfortunate. But, you know, hopefully this is the only year where, where that happens and next year we can get back to a somewhat more normal slate. But, yeah, Sean, I guess as we look forward to to Wednesday – it was good that we were joined today by Jimmy Dykes. Yes, yeah. he's the guy who has seen this team. Has he seen them more than anybody in the preseason, at he, least in the he, media? He has. Well, he got to watch one live practice, and then he was there for the taping of Madness. Then he was there for the taping of the Pro Day. I mean, he's probably had four. I, I guarantee he's probably had three to five good looks at this team. I bet he's watched more than two or three practices. So I think uh, out of him and Tom Hart, those are the two. And Tom's going to join us the week Kentucky plays Kansas. I do have that locked in. So those two are probably the two that kind of know this team better. Probably this, outside of John Calipari and that staff, they probably know him the best, honestly, during a pandemic. Uh, they certainly know him better than the fans and the media do. Uh, they're going to be joined by Jimmy. But before we get into that, I think we need to just maybe have like a one-minute discussion about the news that came out of Auburn yesterday with, you know, them doing a self-imposed tournament ban. I don't know what the situation is going to be like for Bruce Pearl down there this year. you got Sharif Cooper. Uh, you just got to wait and see. I, I have a feeling that when you have something like that, does some of these guys decide not to play or some of these guys – I don't know what's going on at Auburn. It kind of threw me off yesterday, though, when that came out of nowhere on a Sunday. Yeah, it kind of told me that Auburn doesn't think it's going to be very good this year. Uh, well, maybe not that. Maybe that's not totally fair. I mean, they have just as much turnover as Kentucky does, though. And um, I, I think for Auburn, with the way the pandemic is, just the way they expect the season to go, I, I can see the logic behind just going ahead and imposing a, a postseason ban this year. 
because one, you might be a fringe team anyway, and then two, it's just not a normal year anyway. So I don't know what the NCAA will do with that. Um, if they will lessen their penalties against Auburn because Auburn chose to take that this year. But, uh, no, it was, uh, for the time that it dropped, it was certainly some surprising news. But at the same time, I mean, that's been one of, one of the SEC's best programs the last few years. Uh, I think they made what, or would have been, they would have been in three straight NCAA tournaments had there been one this year. Of course, Final Four team in 2019. So I can see why they did it. And uh, I'm sure Auburn's hoping that that's as, as strict as the penalties get, that they won't be taken out of two postseasons. Yeah, and and Jimmy will talk about the overall SEC and who his you know top four, top five teams are in that interview. But before we get into the interview with Jimmy, I just want to remind you that the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, they start curbside service today, Derek, at both locations uh, after you know the restrictions and not being able to do in-person dining for three weeks, which started last Friday. They closed for the weekend to prepare for it. So get out to the Butcher's Pub. Both locations in Pineville and Williamsburg, Kentucky, place an order for curbside pickup, that buffalo chicken sandwich, those delicious wings, all those burgers they have, all those appetizers. The full menu will be available. Uh, you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more daily specials. But we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Jimmy Dykes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. As now we're joined by Jimmy Dykes of ESPN. Jimmy, thanks for taking some time to join us. Man, it's great to be with you because it's, it's it's game week, so I'm excited to get the season going. I know you guys are in Lexington as well. Uh, that's actually what we're going to start off with, Jimmy. You, you've got to see this team in action a couple of times now, but how excited are you to actually see them play someone else this week? Yeah, I, well, I'm not as excited as they are because they've been going at each other for about three months now. But, you know, this is uh, this is the time of the year that we all point towards and just, you know, pray and hope that teams arrive safely and the testing goes fine and, and games are still being able to play. And you know, it's going to be such a disjointed season. In any game that you're a part of this year, you can never take for granted. And I think we're all going to feel that way. That we're just grateful to be there at a game and, what, and watching kids do what they love to do. So, this is an interesting Kentucky team. They're similar in, in a lot of uh, ways with Calipari's other teams. You know, I've said on the air before, they're, they're, they're crazy talented, they're crazy long, and they're crazy young. Uh, so we'll see how all that plays out. Chances are they're get knocked around some early in non-conference play, and by the time March rolls around, we'll be thinking this is a team that could go really, really deep in, in, in the tournament. Jimmy, it seems like the guy everybody's been talking about um... – Pretty much the last few months here is Isaiah Jackson. Obviously, his dunk at Big Blue Madness, things like that. Uh, I guess he's starting to make his name kind of on the national scene. What is it about Isaiah that, that should get fans so excited for this season? Well, I think he's a hungry uh, a hungry athlete. You know, he didn't come in with the accolades of Askew and Boston and Clark, but, you know, he was a top 30, 40 kid himself. Um, but he has really shown me some some things that you just can't coach, you know, his length, his speed. I mean, he's the fastest guy that Kentucky had on the roster in the three-quarter court sprint. He's 6'10". We saw what he did on Big Blue Madness from the, in the dunk contest. But just watching him play in practice, he gets baskets, you know. He's 
not the kind of kid you have to run plays for. He just goes and finds a ball, and he's active. He can put it on the floor. He's a pretty decent shooter. He plays hard. Uh, that that was a you know he and Sar and when Keon Brooks gets back, that's whew, that front line right there should hold their own with anybody in the country. Jimmy John Calipari, he he always has some really strong defensive teams at Kentucky. And you just mentioned the length on that front line and just the length on the overall roster outside of Askew and Mintz. I think everybody's around six 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 seven. Uh, what kind of defensive potential do you think this team has? Well, just based upon their 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 skill set on the defensive end, which is their length, their 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 reach, foot speed, all that, it should be really really good, you know. But defense. Man, that takes that takes a lot of experience, and that's something that's, that they're they're going to have some real challenges early uh, defensively. The the Richmond game, the third their third game is going to be a severe test for Kentucky because that's an old team that runs a very disciplined Princeton style, uh, different looking offense than any of those kids at Kentucky have ever played against. So we will find out quickly where Kentucky is with their defensive principles. Uh, they will probably be exposed some in that game. Uh, but it doesn't mean that down the road Kentucky can't become uh, one of the top 10 or 15 defensive teams in the country. Uh, if they learn to finish off the possession as a defensive rebound, uh, then that's, that, that's the final piece of it. So there's a lot of things still to go on with, with Cal and his teaching. But to answer your question, the potential is there for them to be just as good as any defensive team he's ever had at Kentucky. Some of Calipari's teams, depending on the group, uh, a couple of them have been pretty good three-point shooting teams. Some have not been good at all. This team seems to have a few guys who, who could kind of fill it up from the outside. B.J. Boston, uh, Dante Allen, if he's in there, if he can play good enough defenses down the court. Uh, how, just, do you think that this is the kind of team that, that can be a good shooting team from the perimeter? Um, or do you just think we maybe don't know yet with all these new guys and how they're going to adjust to the college game? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I, 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 don't, I don't think we know yet. You know, we find out when you start playing games who's a real shooter and who's not. Davion Mintz is their best shooter. I, I have seen that in the five or six practices that I've watched. He won the three-point shooting contest during Big Blue Madness, which that's not a huge deal, but it's a little bit of a sign that a kid can make shots under pressure. So the potential is there for them to be a, 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 a better-than-average shooting ball club because you're right, Cal's had some teams that couldn't just couldn't shoot straight, but they still found a way to win ball games. I don't think that'll be the case with this team. You mentioned uh, Boston, I mentioned Mintz, uh, Dante Allen's got a nice looking shot. I think Askew shoots a good ball. I think Olivier Sar shoots a good ball. So uh, I think I think they have enough guys that can shoot the ball well enough to open up the rest of their offense. And now the point guard play with uh, Devin Askew and Davion Mintz. You know, they, we know the names B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Olivier Saar, and we know both of those point guards need to be good. But how vital is it that one of them kind of emerges and takes over that spot at some point in the season? Well, I, I, I think both of them are going to be able to handle it, and, and both of them need to, you know, because injuries, foul troubles, the, the need to have two point guards on the floor late in the game, making free throws, handling the ball. So I think they'll – I think they'll play together some, and they can both handle it. You know, Mintz is not the, the true point guard that Askew is, but I think he's more than serviceable. He's a much better shooter. Uh, he's older. He's more experienced. He knows how to play the game. And Askew just has a ton of potential. You know, he's not a Jet. He's not a John Wall type, just blur, but he's, he's, he's more physical. He's big. He's tough. He's got a good presence about him. 
He doesn't seem to turn the ball over right now at a high rate. Uh, I think he's tough enough to take the hard coaching that Calipari's going to put on him in that the, that point guard position. So I I think both those guys are going to be fine at the point guard spot. They're, they're different, but but that's okay. Sometimes different is good in that spot too. Jimmy, obviously we've, we've talked about a lot of areas where people could be excited about this team. From what you've seen, what are some areas that, that might make you a little bit cautious uh, going into the season uh, for this group? Well, just just the fact that when they step out on the floor this week, the, the starting five, because Brooks, I'm not sure, is going to be ready to play yet. They've never played one minute of basketball in a Kentucky uniform. <laughs> you know, that's that's not the norm. At least you have a couple of guys that have done it. So just the whole, the, just the, the, the newness of what games are like and the different scenarios they're going to have to work through within the course of the game and try to get corrected during the game, not after the game, but during the game, you got to make corrections. How quickly are they going to learn? You know, how, how can they take hard coaching when it, when things get tough, the game gets tight and, and Cal's voice gets loud. How are these guys going to respond? All those things we don't know, you know, things are fine right now. They're practicing the craft center and no one's had playing minutes distributed. So we're getting ready to find out how this team handles it when it doesn't go their way. And I think every coach is kind of concerned about that to start the season, but but especially when you've got a whole brand new team that's never been through it one minute. Now speaking on the SEC overall, we talked a lot about Kentucky. I think we all expect Tennessee to be good. Who are some other teams in the SEC that you have your eye on this season? I would go with LSU and Florida right after those two. You know, Florida's got a lot of guys back, and I think old is very important this year in college basketball across the country. And that's an older team, as is LSU with, with Days and Javante Smart, Trenton Watford. Uh, they got a, a phenomenal freshman as well in that class, this year's class. So I think those four teams going in kind of catch my eye. I would put Alabama probably right there, right there with them, honestly. Um, Nate Oates really established how they want to play last year, one of the fastest teams in the country. And they let those threes fly, and I think they've gotten a little bit better on the inside with a transfer rebounder. If Javon Quinterly at the point guard can kind of step in and keep the pace going like Kyra Lewis did, I think we have to keep our eye on Alabama as well. But I know Ole Miss, Ole Miss has players. Arkansas has players. Uh, Frank Martin at South Carolina has got an older team, so it's – man. There's, there's a lot of question marks in this league. I do think it's a deeper league than last year because last year the NCAA tournament, had we played it, the SEC was only going to get four teams. That should not be the case this, this year. There's, there's six, seven, eight teams that are capable of getting in that tournament. Jimmy, last question we have, I want to ask you a question on the women's side. Obviously it was big news here when Matthew Mitchell uh, retired. Kyra Elsie steps in for him, and some people thought this was going to be uh, Matthew's best team. Obviously, you've got to see that group. Uh, first one I have for you is how well do you know Kyra? And then two, just how do you expect her to kind of handle this group? And should expectations change for them since there has been a coaching change? Well, I, I just know of Kyra, you know, from being in the league with her and, and, and knowing of her. And I know that, uh, you know, she, her belief in how they play is very, just matches perfectly with what Matthew Mitchell did. So um, I, I think that part of it is going to be a pretty easy transition. They're not going to adjust how they play. They're going to keep right on rolling. She's been handling that team for the most part since April. So the, the kids are used to her voice. 
Um, but that's still a big loss. Matthew Mitchell, now, when you lose your head coach, when you lose one that's that good, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a big loss. And, you know, how quickly Kyra adjusts, uh, I think we have to keep our eye on. But the, the, the pieces are there. I love the Patterson kid. I love her personality. I love her speed with the ball up top. And, of course, your, your uh, preseason All-American, uh, Ryan Howard, is the real deal. You know, you guys know that. So uh, they got, they've got depth on the inside now. they got size. But, that again, just like on the men's side, the women's side, look at South Carolina preseason number one. I think there's four or five teams out of the SEC in the top 25. There, there's no easy road in, on that side of it either. Jimmy, good stuff from you as always. We appreciate you taking some time to join us, and college basketball's here. We're we're finally going to see some action this week, hopefully. Okay, guys, have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving. That was Jimmy Docks of ESPN. Derek, it's the first time we've had Jimmy on the show. It's I think it's our first national media or basketball guest on this on this podcast, isn't it? Because we've always had football guests. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, except for basketball recruiting, yeah, it's mostly – I think that was the first one we've had. But it was a good interview. Um, you know, he had some interesting things to say about this team. And um, I guess nothing too crazy, nothing that we didn't expect. But uh, at the same time, Sean, I thought he had some really good things to say about the point guard play for the question that you asked. Yeah, uh, I think that that's just uh, – that's the position that I think we all just have our eye on just because we – you know, we know the B.J. Boston's and Terrence Clarks. We know that those two are expected to be stars. We know that SARS expected to be really good in all ACC center last year. But, you know, what we saw from Davion Mintz at Big Blue Madness Friday night, I mean, he can flat out shoot the basketball. You know that that's going to be a factor. And if he can do that, he's going to play a ton. I like what Jimmy said, though, that he thinks that they're both serviceable there. They're both – they do different things. And I think that we've mentioned that at a time on the show where they're just completely different, but that's not a bad thing, like Jimmy said, that they're different. I I think that uh, they're going to get a lot out of those two. I think there's going to be nights where they both play well. I think there's certainly going to be nights where only one of them plays well. I think the one thing is, Derek, that they just both can't be off. I think that they need solid point guard play from both of them. I agree with that. And, you know, the question I asked Jimmy about what was going to make him cautious, I expected that to be his answer uh, because I think that's obvious thing for this team is just you're not going to have anybody and if Keon's not going to play which it sounds like I kind of don't expect them to honestly Sean uh, just getting no. that he's not really been able to as of last week he wasn't even really able to go throughout a full practice it just seems unlikely that he'll if he does play it seems like it'll be very limited so when they take the floor Wednesday night against Moorhead you know it's eight months ago in March anybody that you saw out there they're not going to be out there excuse me this season so that is a huge change for a team. Um, and no matter how talented they are, and I do think they're a talented team, that's, you know, Moorhead State's a bad team or has been a bad team the past few years. Detroit has as well. But once you get into that third game against Richmond and then you got Kansas after that, I mean, these are some teams that, that can beat them, just to be well, honest. And well, uh, go ahead. That Well, that's what I was going to say. I really like what he said about Richmond. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday who's going to be covering the games, you know, just virtually from home, and and they were talking like, man, I got the worst game of the three. They're playing – I got the Richmond game. And I'm like, why do you think that? And, you know, they were just talking about storyline with Brad Calipari. And I was like, look, you got the best game of the three as far as watching basketball because that team's going to test Kentucky. 
I really think I agree 110% with what Jimmy said. That's why I think that our preview of Richmond is going to be one of our better episodes because I'm going to dive in to that and some of the things that Jimmy was talking about. But I think the schedule's set up this way for a reason, Derek. I think Cal knew he cannot start with Richmond in this MTE. It had to be the final game. And it's one of those games, Derek, where you look back and when they played Buffalo the year that they went 38-1, and Buffalo gave them fits on that Sunday going into the Tuesday game of the Champions Classic. I think you could see the exact same thing happen this time. But that is a team that could beat Kentucky if Kentucky doesn't perform. Yeah, and, you know, in the event that Kentucky does play well, all three of those games and even against Kansas, I mean, that could really set the expectations really high for this group if they play well. But even if they don't, I mean, it's early. It's an all-new team. There's going to be plenty of time to figure it out. But I am curious to see kind of, I guess, how quickly they can get acclimated to each other because, you know, they've been together for, like Jimmy said, a few months now practicing against each other. But it's obviously different whenever you get into a real game and you're going, you know, you're working together versus uh, going up against each other. So, We'll see. I almost feel like, Sean, that Mintz and, and Sar are going to be just extremely important here at the start of the season. They are. I think that both of those will be very important. I think that Mintz being a senior, and Cal has talked about him, I think, outside of Isaiah Jackson, I believe Mintz has got the most mentions from Cal, even in tweets. So uh, I'm excited to see what those two do. I think that it's very vital and important that they can lean on those two early in the season. That's why I think that Mintz might actually have the – the better production in this first stretch of basketball over top of Askew. Uh, but, Derek, basketball is right here. I think we're a little more than 48 hours away from Kentucky tipping off versus Moorhead State. I'm going to be there Wednesday night. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be. I don't know how many games I'm going to be doing in person this season. But uh, I'm excited to, to just get there, see what it's going to be like, see what college basketball is going to be like during a pandemic. And it's definitely going to be something different for all of us. I mean, it's not going to have the same look that it usually has. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be different. And uh, either way, I'll be happy to see this team out there and play and give us something fresh to talk about. <laughs> so this should be one of the last few episodes where we're still just speculating. We'll at least have something to go on for uh, Thursday's show. Actually, I guess we might be able to record Wednesday if we're going to be there. Um, and, of course, Thursday's Thanksgiving. So might just be able to run that there and, have that to talk about for people who uh, get some downtime and want to listen to us. So either way, Sean, it's it's an exciting time, and and I don't want to go into any stereotypes, but based on how the football season's gone, uh, probably probably a good thing for everybody to get a little break from football on Wednesday and Friday and yeah. uh, be something else. Yeah, I mean, wrapping up here, so it starts on Wednesday. So from Wednesday till next Tuesday night at 930, you're going to see four Kentucky basketball games if – all goes as planned. Uh, Kentucky taking care of Kentucky is one thing, but they also have four opponents that have to take care of themselves too over the course of the next seven days. I think that's something you you probably need to be cheering for other teams just to stay healthy and to stay you know COVID free and everything. Uh, because I don't I don't think anybody wants cancellations, but I would be preparing myself you know mentally to uh, have some schedule changes. Like you might. Wake up on a Tuesday morning, Kentucky scheduled to play at nine, and by noon that game might not be on anymore. So I just think that that's just the uh, the approach that we're all going to have to take during this. But I know one thing, Derek: uh, it's Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful that we do have some college basketball 
right around the corner to talk about. But I, I think this has been another good episode, Derek. I know we're going to dive into some interviews here now that basketball season's starting. We hadn't had an interview for about three weeks. Kind of a weird time on the schedule. Football started struggling and didn't really make a ton of sense to bring some people on because I think, honestly, uh, there was some exhaustion there because there <laughs> there were so many question marks around the football team for the last few weeks. Um, we will get back into the football talk as the Kentucky wraps up this season, but it's definitely going to be basketball heavy moving forward. Yeah, it will be. Um, you know, obviously I saw the line come out for the Florida game at 23 points. Didn't know if that was low or not. I mean, I know some people thought the 30 points was high, and then uh, Alabama doubled that. So I don't expect Kentucky to get dropped by 60, but some of the big questions for football is, one, just can those guys we missed last week, will they even be back? For this game, if not, it's obviously going to be a pretty big struggle, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in future episodes. So, again, we, we thank Jimmy Dykes for coming on. Uh, it was a good episode, and uh, I guess we're just looking forward to, to Wednesday. And if you're listening to this, I don't know when this is going to be put up, but uh, Cal Perry and Stoops are both going to be talking today. So, I mean, if you're someone who is craving some news, uh, this should be a pretty busy day for yeah, stories. It should be. And we'll uh, be back on Tuesday's episode to talk all about that. Um, also working on another special guest this week. If we can fit it into the holiday week, I'll, I'll update more on that when we have it scheduled. Uh, but he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.